0: For you to stand as we start our worship, chapter 52, verses 7 through 12. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure. You who carry the articles of the Lord's house. But you... Will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. Now we will remain and sing through our worship songs this morning.
1: trusted my own strength but in the sinking sand so i put my ruins into your hands and watched you restore them like old serve you, Lord. So here's the keys, come on in, everything we have is yours. As for me and my house, we're going to serve you, Lord. So here's the keys, come on in, everything we have is yours. Here's the keys, won't you come on in, everything we have is yours.
2: celebration we had last week wasn't it easter wow but you know what's so great about this is that as christians we don't have to wait till next year to do it again we get to celebrate this every every single day isaiah 1:18 said though your sins be as scarlet they shall be as white as snow though they be as crimson they shall be as wool We've come to meet you, Lord Jesus, here. To praise you for what you've done out of your love that you've come. That you were crucified. You gave up your life. You didn't have somebody take it from you. You willingly laid it down because of your love for us. May we walk in that resurrection power every single day of our lives. And Lord, I pray if there is anybody who has not experienced your love that they will lay down their sins and that you will make them as white as snow. Because Jesus, you paid it all and we give you all glory and honor for it.
3: your grace and your mercy on a daily basis. Fathers Sharon pointed out last week that we got to celebrate Easter Sunday, but the celebration does not stop just on one day. Lord, we can celebrate your life, your death, your resurrection all throughout the year, Lord, and you call us to do that. And we thank you so much for the gift of salvation. Lord, that we that you brought us into relationship with you and the Father and the Holy Spirit, Lord. And God, I pray that you would help us to never take the Easter message, the gospel, the cross, any of those things for granted, Lord. Because you died and you conquered death and sin on our behalf. And Lord, I pray that um, as Easter, the Easter season is over, Lord, but it, it still lives on inside of us. And Lord, I pray that you would place people in our lives to share that message with to share the gospel with, Lord, to tell others of what you have done, Lord. And God, I pray that you would place people in every single person's life this week to share that message with. Help us to be bold in proclaiming your name and your victory, Lord, because all glory and honor belongs to you, Lord. And we want to tell people about how awesome you are and what you've done for your people, Lord. Father, we do pray for those that are on the cares and concerns list this morning. God, you know each situation. We ask that you would work according to your will in those people's lives, Lord. Bring comfort, bring healing. Lord, I pray that your presence would be felt. Lord, I also pray for anybody here that's feeling weighed down by whatever they're facing, Lord. God, I pray that you would meet them in that place, Lord, that you would encourage their hearts that you would show them that you are real, that you are loving, that you are good, and that you walk with them every single step of the way, even in the mountains and the valleys, Lord, that you are with them no matter what. Father, we thank you that you are always working, Lord, that you work for our good all the time, even though our definition of good and your definition of good might be different. You work for the good, Lord, your good in our lives. God, we pray all of these things in your name, in the name of your Son, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. This time I'll have the kids come forward for children's chat.
4: All
5: right. Good morning, everybody. Oh, where am I gonna sit? I'll land right here. Oh. You got to turn around and look at me. Sorry about your luck. So, there's a lot better-looking people out there than up here. Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, my goodness. How many of you had a great Easter last week? How many of you uh, are out of Easter candy already? Good job. Oh, a couple of you. That's I I bet you are. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, here today, I need a volunteer. I sometimes bring really fun things, and sometimes I bring less than fun things. Josephine, are you good at following directions? Okay. Today, this is my fancy prop. Look at that. Isn't that exciting? How cool is that? You probably have one of these at your house, don't you? Okay. So I'm going to need Josephine to follow directions. How many of you are good at following directions, do you think? A few of you. My children claim to be. They're not. All right. What we're going to do is I need you to fold that piece of paper in half, please, like that. Yep. I had to think of was hot dog or hamburger or whatever. Okay. And now open it up. And then you need to take those outside corners and fold them into the middle line you just made. Good, ooh, nice. Nice and crisp, even on the carpet. Very good, very good, okay? And then, hmm, let's make this one fancy. Let's take these corners and put them to the center line too. Yeah, ooh, just to the center, right? You're doing great. Nice, nice, close. That's great. Okay. Now fold it on that original line again so both sides are matched up again. Remember that first fold you made? Fold these corners together now. Just fold it back in half. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, good. All right. Now you need to kind of fold that back, right? Fold that down. Nice. Nice. It's coming together. It's coming together. For those of you at home, you're missing it. All right. And then do the same thing on the other side. fantastic thank you what do we have here airplane. a paper airplane how many of you have ever made a paper airplane before <coughs> isn't that pretty exciting when you get one made and now what's the best part about a paper airplane yeah, well, like she's gonna throw it lefty after my own heart oh we got a pedestrian clear oh my goodness
4: it's
5: <laughs> exciting that's exciting that's exciting well a couple things had to happen today number one First of all, let's all thank Josephine. That was a good job. Those are good directions. It's a good airplane. Yeah. I actually just read this week. The Guinness Book of World Records for the longest airplane flight was just broken. Someone threw a paper airplane over 289 feet. That's as long almost as a football field. That's a pretty good airplane, huh? A couple engineer type people. Today's Bible story is not about paper airplanes, but it is all about something else in the Bible story today that we're going to hear. It's all about Jesus giving directions to people. He's given directions to 72 disciples. How many disciples do we usually talk about? Just 12. Yeah, but we find especially later in Jesus's ministry. All these people are excited and they're starting to follow him and they're going out to these villages and doing all kinds of good stuff. So there's more and more of them, right? So he has 72 of them and he's sending them out into these cities and he gives them, he gives them lots of directions. Just like we have directions that we have to follow. Uh, what other directions do you guys follow sometimes? We made an airplane. Is anyone going to follow directions to no running in the house? It's a good direction. Keep everybody safe. What else? Clean your room. Are there directions on how to clean your room? There are. Do you know how I like to clean my room? I would just shove everything under the bed. Honest to goodness. My mom said, Clinton, go clean your room. And she came in once and the mattress the mattress was six inches taller than it should have been. Because I had jammed stuff under there so hard. But Jesus' directions, he talks about how to go and cast out demons and make good disciples and be good people for God. And to bring about Jesus' kingdom. So just like we had directions for our paper airplane today, let's listen to today's Bible story about the directions that Jesus gives to his disciples as they get more and more of them all the time. Because that's kind of what we want to be too, right? We'd like to be Jesus' disciples, huh? Okay. Sound good? All right. The last direction for today. We're going to fold our hands and pray. You ready? Let's fold our hands and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing these young hearts and minds to us this morning. What a joy it is to see them and to witness their own growth and learning um, in, your, in your wisdom and knowledge and stature. Lord, place a protective hand upon each of them as they go from this place. And may they receive uh, all the blessings and all the grace from your son, Jesus Christ. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
6: Amen. Thanks, Clinton. You guys can head back to your seats. As they're heading back to their seats, I just want to take a moment to remind you uh, that today's offering is for our friend Sam, who serves as a missionary uh, in Turkey. Uh, many of you have got a chance to meet him last time he was home. Uh, just so you know, the reason why it is Sam in quotation marks in your bulletin is because we're unable to publish his real name uh, for his safety reasons and for his ability to stay in the country. So um, that is why it is presented the way it is in the bulletin. Um, but this past year he was able to be here and visit with us, and we got a chance to interact with him. And so that's who we are supporting today through our designated offering. And I want to encourage you to give as you feel led to give this morning. Uh, also, we're, just grateful, we're grateful to have uh, Mr. Terry Wissman offering up our special music on the organ this morning. So I want to invite the deacons to come forward as Terry plays our special music, m- music for us.
7: Reading this morning, which comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. Sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Then he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like, li- like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day. For Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Charizon! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven.
6: Amen. Thanks, Maria. You may be seated. Let's pray together again. Father God, I thank you for this time to study your word together. And I pray that as we do so this morning, that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. Uh, May your spirit give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it is good to see everybody here this morning. I do have to say that historically, the Sunday after Easter is typically one of the Least attended church services throughout the year. So, kudos to all of you that are here with us in the sanctuary today. And just grateful also for the radio ministry and Facebook Live for those that were not able to be here and are still able to join in. Um, Just what a blessing it is to to gather and worship. And I just want to reiterate what Sharon said earlier during our, our time of worship, of singing, was that as we're coming off of the Easter season, right, there's a lot of joy, there's a lot of celebration, there's a lot of excitement. Around Holy Week, particularly Easter Sunday, but when we gather as a church, we have an opportunity to celebrate the resurrection of Christ every week, right every Sunday is like a mini Easter, a mini resurrection day that we get to celebrate that our Savior is alive because two thousand years later, that truth is still real that is that fact is still true that Jesus is alive, and we worship a resurrected king and so as we continue on through the Easter season and past the Easter season, I think it's important for us to reflect on what Jesus calls us to do with that hope and that message of his death and resurrection. In the Gospels, after Jesus is raised from the dead, the instructions he gives to his disciples is to go and share the good news with everybody, right? That's where we get the great commission from, for example, in Matthew 28, to go into all nations and make disciples Right, that's what God instructs us to do with the good news that we have received. But as we read in Luke chapter 10 and other parts of the Gospels, we know that Jesus also equipped and sent out his disciples during his ministry too to prepare the towns and the villages in, in, um, in Israel for his ministry. And so whether you know, no matter what time period we're talking about, whether it was before his death and resurrection and especially after his death and resurrection, Jesus gives us a mission to go out and share the good news with people so that they may trust and believe in him as their savior. And so that's what I want to focus on now. What do we do with the the message of of Easter? What do we do with the hope that we've been given? And I think it's pretty clear from scripture that the instructions that Jesus gives to all of us is to go out and share the good news with the world that desperately needs to hear it. So the first thing that we realize from Luke chapter 10 is that we are on a mission, that you have been given a mission to go and share the good news. We've been entrusted with the greatest news of all time, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so now he instructs his disciples to go and share that good news with everyone. As Christians, we are people that are sent on a mission by God, to share that news with everybody we meet. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus summarizes that mission by saying this. In Acts chapter 1, verses 8, this is right before he is taken up into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. He says, You, speaking to his disciples, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right. That is the mission and, and Jesus, in his earthly ministry, gives his disciples a, a taste of what that's going to be like by sending them out in pairs to go and preach and to heal as part of his ministry. But I think the interesting thing about Luke 10, and, and Clinton helpfully pointed this out to us in the children's chat, is that this isn't just his core disciples that he sends out here. He does that earlier in the Gospel of Luke. He sends out the 12 to do exactly the same thing to heal the sick and to preach the good news. But here we see Jesus sending out that larger group of followers, the 72 disciples. You see, in Jesus' ministry, it wasn't just the 12 that were with him all the time. There was a larger group that followed him from town to town, that supported his ministry, that were there and were ministering just like the other disciples. And here in Luke 10, we see Jesus specifically calling them to go out and do the same things that he had called the 12 to do earlier. It's a good reminder that mission is not just for a select few, right? It's not just for the quote-unquote professional Christians, but it's for all of us to participate in. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you have been given a mission to go and to share that good news with the world. And it's the same goal. If you were to look back at those earlier passages, Jesus gives them essentially the same instructions that he uh, he gave the 12 earlier. And that goal was to heal the sick, And to proclaim the kingdom of God. And if you look at Jesus' earthly ministry, that's exactly what he did with his time as well. In other words, we are called as Christians, as Christ followers, to continue the work that Jesus began and he did while he was here with us. Jesus' first message was the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the good news. Right? Jesus, throughout his ministry, healed people and helped people that were in need. And he now instructs his disciples to go out and do likewise. He calls us to go and do likewise, to continue the work that he began. And we must remember that all ministry, all of this is done under his power and his authority. After the disciples return back and they they experience people responding to the good news, Jesus reminds them that, that he is the one who gives them the authority to do that. To trample serpents and scorpions, or, or snakes and scorpions, right? That's a reference to kind of the signs of the curse, right? The, the often associated with the enemy. Snake, obviously, the direct connection to the snake in the garden. But notice that the power and authority to do those things isn't inherent in us. It's inherent in Christ. And he is the one who is able to do those things in and through his people, All ministry is done under his power and authority. He can do through us what we cannot do on our own. And the message that Jesus entrusted to them is that the kingdom of God is at hand. Right As I mentioned, that was Jesus' first message, and that's what he instructs his disciples to go out and preach as well. Now, when we share the good news, I want to pause here for just a moment because some of you may think, I don't know how to preach, right? I don't know how to, I don't know how to proclaim that the kingdom of God is here. And I want to remind you that you don't need a seminary degree, right? You don't need to know how to write a sermon. You don't need to know how to win a theological debate in order to share the good news of Jesus, right? You will not have an answer to every question that somebody poses to you. I don't have an answer to every question that people pose. With this Bible in a Year plan that we've been doing, I've been receiving a lot of questions from passages that we've been working through and reading through. And sometimes I have to say, you know, that is a great question. Let me get back to you. Let's talk about that later. Right? We don't have all the answers. Not one person in this world can, can perfectly do all of those things. But here's what we can do. Here's what God calls all of us to do is to simply talk about the, G- the impact that Jesus has had on your life. That doesn't require theological training. That doesn't require a seminary degree or, or to be a pastor in a church or a missionary. Every single person can and should be able to talk about the change that has taken place in your life because of what Jesus has done for you. And it can be as simple as that. Here's how my life has changed because I trust Jesus as my Savior Lord. Here's the difference that He's made in my life. And the amazing thing about that is, is people respond so well to stories, right? to the personal testimony. That can, can, can reach a person in a way that the best theological argument or the best sermon never can because it's that personal impact that Christ has made in your life. And so when we talk about going out and proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand, that the kingdom of God has come through Christ, it's as simple as saying, here's how that kingdom has impacted me. Here's how Jesus' death and resurrection has impacted me. And you can experience the same thing too. That's how we share the good news. That's how we proclaim the arrival of God's kingdom. And so we also must remember that gospel ministry is both preaching the gospel and meeting practical needs. He talks here about going out and healing the sick. Now we know that God certainly is able to do that still today but that is maybe not our common experience when we pray for people right? We personally may not have experienced that although God certainly is able to do that in and through his people. But what I think Jesus is hinting at here and what is important for us to remember is that as Christians we're called to meet people's practical needs. That proclaiming the kingdom is also is is preaching the gospel and sharing the good news, but it's also helping people where they're at and meeting their practical needs. It's important to make sure that we don't, we don't focus on one at the exclusion of the other. That's where a lot of churches fall into error is they focus on one side and completely ignore the other. But when Jesus sends his disciples out, he says, proclaim the good news of the kingdom and heal the sick and help those who are in need it's important that we, as a church, as individuals, are able to do both of those things. See, the harvest is ready. That's what Jesus says. He says the harvest is ready. People, I do believe, are ready to hear the good news. It may not seem like that at times, right, in the world that we live in today, but I do believe that that the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready. And And we should be people willing to go out and be the workers in that harvest to do the work of God in our world. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a a parable of the four soils. I'm not going to read that for us today. Many of you have probably heard this before, but it's a parable of a man who goes out and scatters seed all around. And the seed falls on four different types of soil. The first three are not conducive to uh, the, the seed bearing fruit. There's the hard ground, the rocky soil, the thorns and the thistles, right? The seed that falls there doesn't produce much of anything. But the seed that falls in the good soil grows and takes root and produces uh, a bountiful harvest. You see, when we, are, when we are called to go out and share the good news of the gospel, we're like, those, we're like that person scattering the seed. The seed is the message of the gospel, and we're called to scatter it far and wide, And so we are called to plant that seed and pray that it will take root in good soil. Now note here, that same seed is scattered across all different kinds of soil. You may not know, looking at a person, what type of soil they are. You don't know how they're going to respond to the good news. So we are called to simply be faithful and share that message with them and pray that the seed does fall in good soil and bears much fruit. Our job is to scatter the seed Let's let God worry about taking care of the rest. So we're called to be, we're called to scatter the seed, and then we're also called to work the harvest. But remember that when, even though we are called to scatter the seed, it is God who makes it grow. In First Corinthians chapter three, verses five through seven, Paul writes this. This is 1 Corinthians three, five through seven. He says, "What after all is Apollos and what is Paul?" Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has making it is making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. All right, many of you have experience with farming, whether it's on a large scale or you know, planting a garden. You know that that there's only so much that you can do. You can prep the soil, you can Make all the preparations. You can give the seed the best opportunity it can to grow. But once that seed's in the ground, there's nothing that you can do to make it happen. You can't make that seed germinate. You can't make it take root. You can't make it grow. That is something that is beyond your control. You can give it the best possible chance, of course, and we know how to do that. But it is only God that can make that seed grow. And the same is true in spiritual matters. We can plant a seed. And you may never see the direct result of your labor. Right? You may have a conversation with someone and share the gospel with them, and you may not see any direct result or impact. But that doesn't mean God isn't working beneath the surface. An old study once said that it takes on average a person, it takes a person on average 30 encounters with something like matters of faith. Right? It might be a conversation with a person, it might be reading a Bible, it might be attending a church service, but it takes a person, on average, 30 encounters before someone comes to faith in Christ. And here's the thing, you have no idea if you are number one, number 29, or you have the blessing to be number 30 on that list. But you don't know where that person's at, you don't know what God's been doing in their life, but it's, but God will use each step along that way, each encounter to help bring that person along the path. And so we're called to be faithful. We're called to scatter that seed. We're called to pray that it lands on good soil. But we trust that God is going to be the one that makes things grow, not us. You see that idea. I do believe that people today are ready and willing to to hear spiritual things. Young people especially, they're hungry. I know many of you have... Seen the recent movie Jesus Revolution? Um, it's a it's, it's a great film. If you haven't had a chance to see it, it talks about the real life events that took place uh, back in the the 60s uh, of uh, spiritual awakening of a revival that took place in California and really did spread across our nation. And early in the movie, the the two main characters, the pastor of a of kind of a traditional small traditional church, and then this well, for lack of a better term, a hippie, right, that was, had come to Christ and is, was kind of traveling around and sharing the good news of, of the gospel. They're having this conversation, and, and uh, uh, Lonnie Frisbee, the, the hippie, is trying to help the pastor see that this young generation is longing for God. And he said two things that really have stuck with me since watching that movie, and I think they're still true today. He says people are looking for all the right things in all the wrong places. They're looking for God. They just haven't realized it yet, right? I know that was just a fictionalized movie or a fictionalized conversation, but I think those two statements are still true today. People are longing for God. They just haven't realized it yet. People are looking for all the right things, but in all the wrong places. And we as Christians have an opportunity to point people to the one thing that is going to meet their needs, that is going to make a difference, that is going to help fill that void that they're trying to fill with other things and in other ways. Young people are longing for truth, for authenticity. They're even longing to be challenged. Right? That may seem counterintuitive. For decades, in an attempt to try to reach more people, churches have watered down the gospel, the message of the gospel, and we wonder why nobody wants to hear it. There's even a movement that was labeled the seeker-sensitive movement. It was in its heyday, it was in the, like the late 80s, 90s, early 2000s. And they were, the attempt was to try to, again, reach as many people as possible, make the gospel as palatable as possible for as many people. And what happened is there were large churches that were built that were a mile wide but an inch deep. And in many ways they failed to create disciples, and they themselves admitted to that. The leading church in this seeker-sensitive movement was a church called Willow Creek. At one point, I don't know if it still is today, but at one point, was the largest church in America. They worshipped some twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 people on a given weekend. But here's what the... They, they did a, a study of how their ministry, the impact their ministry had had, and here's essentially what they said. They were really good at making converts, but not very good at making disciples. They were winning people to Christ, but then they were not giving them the tools and equipping them to then grow in their faith and become disciples and, and serve in ministry. There was, there was a, a, a piece that was missing there. You see, when we water down the gospel, when we, may, when we, when we oversimplify it, we lose something. People today are longing for, for truth. They're longing for authenticity. They're longing to be challenged. And so we as Christians must be willing to preach the Word to be bold, to not water it down, and trust that God will do something with our efforts. I believe God will give you opportunities. You just need to look for them and be willing to take them when they come. Now, it's important to recognize also that when, when we talk about the mission that God has sent us on, realize that we can't control how people are going to respond to it. Notice what Jesus tells them about their ministry here in Luke chapter 10. He says, you're going to go out into towns and you're going to get very different responses. Jesus sends these 72 individuals out kind of as as hype men, as ambassadors, to prepare the town for Jesus' arrival and his ministry. And Jesus tells them, he says, some of them will receive the disciples with joy. Jesus tells them to stay there, to accept their hospitality and to preach the kingdom. These towns represent people that are willing to receive the message. They are the good soil that bears much fruit. They're open, receptive, and hospitable. You know, and it's easy. We like sharing the gospel with people like that, right? makes our job easier as Christians because they're open and receptive and willing to hear what we have to say. But Jesus also warns them that some towns will want nothing to do with Jesus and his disciples. They will not welcome the message. They'll offer no hospitality And it's those towns that Jesus instructs his disciples to warn. He says rejecting the disciples and their message is the same as rejecting Jesus himself. And rejecting Jesus is the same as rejecting God because they are one. And that's why Jesus warns them. He says, I'm going to send you out like sheep among wolves. See, there's always going to be people opposed to the gospel. Some people with their indifference, but some in a more active way. And so Jesus warns his disciples to be careful. The mission is important, and it will not be easy. Right? We know today that there are places in this world where it is not easy to be a Christian, where it is not safe to openly proclaim the gospel or try to convert people to Christianity. Right? That's why we're raising money for Sam and his missionary efforts. We can't publish his real name for his safety and his ability to stay where he is. And as Americans, we've been blessed with many rights and privileges that Christians throughout the history could not comprehend. And this is certainly something to be thankful for, but we must also acknowledge that the cultural trends are quickly shifting against traditional Christian beliefs and practices. And in the coming years, it's going to be increasingly difficult to share the gospel with boldness and faithfulness. So we must remember that you can't control the outcome. You can only be faithful to what the Lord calls you to do. I had a conversation earlier this week uh, with Zach, and Zach Metzger actually let me gave me permission to share this. But he was talking about how he's been feeling more uh, bold, wanting to to be bold and share the gospel. And so he had this conversation with this individual. He didn't know him, but the Lord presented an opportunity for him, and he simply just said uh, something along along the lines of, you know, God's got a plan. This person was talking about some rough things that they were going through, and Zach simply just responded, you know, I believe God's got a plan, and the person. Blew up at him, right? He wanted nothing to do with it. And it was like, it caught Zach off guard. He's like, I don't know what to do with this, right? The person responded with hostility and he wanted just the mere mention of God set him off, right? Zach was being faithful. He was trying to be bold and share the good news, and that's exactly what he did. But this other person's response was completely out of his control. That may happen. You may step out in faith and and say something, and the person may receive it with joy. They may be indifferent, or you may have an experience like Zach did and be completely taken aback by their response. But we must remember that that our faithfulness is about sharing the word, it's about scattering the seed, and we cannot control how other people are going to respond. So, our call is to be faithful to the Lord, to, to live a life worthy of the gospel. And let our lives be an example for others to see. And when given that opportunity, to be bold and be willing to share the gospel. So scatter the seed far and wide. Don't worry about what kind of soil it's going to fall on. Your job is simply to share the good news. And one thing you can do is pray for people. Especially the people that don't respond positively to the gospel. You can't save them, but you can pray to the one who can. Ask God to soften their hearts, to, to give them receptive minds and for good soil conditions. And pray for people before and after you share the gospel with them. Finally, and this is what I want to close with here. Jesus reminds his disciples after they return and they're, they're all excited about what they experience. Jesus reminds them of something very, very important. That our hope, that our identity as Christians is not based... On, on your success at sharing the gospel. It is based on our identity in Christ. The disciples are so excited about what they would seen, but Jesus reminds them of what is even more important in heaven. We must remember to not let success go to our head. God may do, may do great things through you, but always remember that it is God who works and wills to make those things happen. Pride and selfish ambition are like poison pills in a person's heart and within a church's ministry. They will eventually create conflict and controversy when ministry becomes more about an individual or about a particular church than about the Lord. And so don't sacrifice your personal relationship with God in order to serve Him. Now again, that may seem kind of strange for me to say, right? But, but st- make sure that even as you are being sent on a mission, don't, you need to stay committed personally to Him. Don't let the busyness... And distractions take away from your time in the Word. We can get so caught up in doing things for Jesus that we forget to simply spend time with Him. Later on in Luke chapter 10, the Gospel author relays a story of Jesus and two sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus goes to their home and spends some time there and, and Martha is so busy making preparations that she gets annoyed that her sister Mary is simply sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to what he has to say. You must remember, it is good and it is important to do things for Jesus. Martha's, the Marthas of the world are essential for ministry and they, are, they do good things, but we cannot allow ourselves to be so busy doing things that we never take time to sit at his feet to dwell in his presence, to read his word. As Jesus says in that story, choose what is better. You see, the best way to be a gospel witness is to have a life grounded in Christ for people to see. Ministry, our mission is simply the overflow of our relationship with God. We can't give water from a dry well. So make sure that you stay connected to the source of living water yourself. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word and I thank you for this mission that you've called us to be on. And I pray that you would equip us with boldness and, and a desire to share the word and that your Holy Spirit would give us those opportunities and, that, and, and equip us to serve you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and close our, or sing our closing song. As you go from this place as you exit the wall exit the doors of this building you are you are leaving the church but you are entering the mission field and so as we talked about here today I encourage you to be bold to share your faith and to be a witness for Christ wherever and whenever you have the opportunity to do so and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all amen you may go in peace